0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football. Yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, Matthew Collar, along with former NFL quarterback, Sage Rosenfels. Sage, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Let's do this thing. Bears week.
0: Bears week. This is about as big as it gets for the NFC North here. And I've uh, spent the last hour or so looking back at a couple of Mitch Trubisky games. And my, my takeaway, Sage, is that Matt Nagy is everything that he is billed to be as far as an offensive mind and that this team has put a lot of weapons around Mitch Trubisky. What has been your observation about him so far in in year two of his NFL career?
1: Well, I thought, I'm impressed. You know, I watch the Bears every single week. Uh, I do that radio show for the Score on Tuesday mornings, and so uh, I've gotten to watch not just Mitchell Trubisky uh, as he has grown, but I've seen this offense. Uh, uh, you know, grow and change and, and they keep adding a few new things every week. They do so much. They put so much pressure on multiple positions of a defense and, and they've got really good players. Uh, uh, I tell you what, they've got a group of receivers. It's, I feel like it's like Kansas City Light, you know, I mean, their Burton is not as good as Kelsey, the tight end, and, uh, you know, Taylor Gabriel's not quite a Tyreek Hill, but, you know they're they're you know if those guys if Kansas City is an A then Chicago serve an A minus because they have a whole bunch of just really good weapons not great players but a whole bunch of really good players that are smaller they're really quick uh, and they're going to be a, a matchup issue for the for the Minnesota Vikings this week.
0: So what have they done to put Trubisky specifically in a good position to cover up some of his weaknesses? Because when I watch, I see yards left out on the field sometimes with him. I, I see some throws that are just inaccurate, that maybe he's not setting his feet at times or just doesn't have elite accuracy for a guy that was drafted pretty high. But yet, if he gets the ball in the hands of his playmakers, they seem to create a lot of yards, especially Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield. So what, what has Nagy done that you've seen that's helped him out?
1: Well, they don't do very much of that traditional under center, you know, with the play action and those types of things, or just straight drop back under center. And you know, in the history of sort of football, generally you start from under center in a new offense, and then you sort of grow from there. You know, you start with the 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 precise footwork for the three and five and seven step game, and you really work on your footwork for years. It's sort of a never-ending thing with timing and with concepts and with the reads and that footwork, and you know, your feet tell you where to go with the football, right? So uh, but they have sort of skipped that a little bit, and then because of that, sometimes uh, he sort of has hot feet back there, and, and he might throw a, a a route that should be a one hit throw on three hitches and you know they don't they haven't really they haven't haven't mastered that sort of basic foundation of a traditional like west coast offense which this is a you'd probably think a version of the west coast offense right and so um what they do though is they spread you really laterally with all these whether it's jet sweeps or shovel passes or the zone read that's more lateral with some rpo type of stuff they do a lot of quick outs when there's running plays on, and then they have these quick guys who, uh, if you get the ball in their hands in space, I mean they're really hard to take down. Gabriel and Cohen, and even this kid Miller, and now Allen Robinson, all those guys can you know, really take it to the house. Uh, you have to get the ball in their hands one-on-one with a linebacker. They beat a safety. They're expo- very explosive team. So it's a lateral passing game that uh, you know the explosiveness of the players is really what makes it dangerous.
0: The uh, Purple Podcast draft time fans would remember us talking about Anthony Miller, who is a really good prospect coming out and has made a a big impact so far for the Bears. When I've been going over what Mitch Trubisky has done this year, it's a really interesting stat sheet because when you look at the, the game against Tampa Bay and the game against Detroit, they really pump up his stats. And that's the worst defense in the league and a team that clearly just doesn't want to play football anymore. And I, and I wonder if you, if you subtract those, what you have with Trubisky, it looks to me more like a guy who would be in the middle of the road, as opposed to someone who has a 100 quarterback rating. Now, maybe you could do that with a lot of different quarterbacks, take away their best games, but his have come against teams that are much worse on defense than the Minnesota Vikings. And I, I, I feel like Sage from watching, especially the way the jets blitzed him a lot, that that's what we're going to see from Mike Zimmer is that he's going to treat Trubisky similarly to how he handled Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen.
1: Yeah, I think they'll, they'll do a couple things. And again, you're know, going back to what I was talking about with like, they have sort of skipped that sort of basic version of their offense. What I do see with Trubisky sometimes is he might miss, he might miss a blitz uh, because, you know, he's, there's so many things that he's having to read that they just sort of feel like they'll get the ball out before uh, you know, an unblocked linebacker is going to get to him. And so that might be something that Mike Zimmer does is try to confuse him. He's still a young quarterback. He still hasn't mastered, you know, every blitz, uh you know, in the book. And, and again, I think this offense, they sort of say, you know, we're going to get the ball out. We're going to have enough wide receiver screens and, and jet sweeps and different zone read things that teams don't want to blitz against us. And so, you know, teams don't as much. So maybe that's something that Mike Zimmer does. Uh, the other thing is maybe they play less man-to-man coverage. I, I think they're actually going to play a lot of zone in this game. You know, can Mitch Trubisky go 12 plays uh, on a drive and execute and, and not throw a and you know, make a bad read or make a bad throw? Uh, you know, and, and just sort of slowly execute down the field. You know, make him do that because it seems like more often than not, especially if you watch that Lions game, there was a lot of big plays in that game. You know, mm-hmm. he hit a guy at a man-to-man route. They would go for 35. They go for 45. They go for 25. You have play a lot of zone defense. I have all eyes back at the quarterback. Uh, there's just fewer big plays in those situations. Everyone rallies to the football and tackles and and uh, and those types of things. So I, that's what I wonder if they'll play a little more zone. They've been playing a little more zone lately. Uh, I feel like the the Vikings have uh, you know try to keep the ball in front. And again, we talked about with well, like the Rams. I don't think Xavier Rhodes matches up very well against. Taylor Gabriel, mm-hmm. you, know, Trey, you know, he's, he's a, he likes bigger receivers and these these bears have a lot of really small fast guys, very similar to the Rams. And, and obviously we saw what the the Rams did to the Vikings defense. So I wonder if they can play a little more zone in this game.
0: So I, I also noticed that, uh, Alan Robinson. Now, if you're going to match him up Xavier with one guy, it's probably Robinson that he looks like he's back that, you know, he missed last year with an injury for the Jaguars. But before that, he was a really good and unheralded wide receiver, but now he looks like he's got some explosiveness off the line of scrimmage uh, for him, and that could be the guy that they have Xavier on, or they could continue to play more zone. I'm I'm curious, just before I, I ask you more it, about Trubisky. Oh, sorry, I was going to
1: say if if we do ma- if they do match up, I I agree with you. I would think the pilot would be Allen Robinson. Uh, uh, that would be Xavier Rhodes' guy all over the field. I would think Wayne's would probably go with Taylor Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that puts whoever the Vikings third guy and you know, they've been sort of rotating it out on the, on the kid Miller, uh, who's a good team on top of it. By the way, Burton's a good receiver, uh, the tight end. And then now, you know, they put Cohen out there sometimes in almost like a four, you know, they'll go two running backs, three receivers, and then they put Cohen in the slot. Now you got a fourth guy who's going to match up with him. That's going to be more of a linebacker. So, uh, Anthony Barr is going to have to have his uh, uh, chasing skills on and, and be on point this week because he's going to have to match up with with Tariq Cohen on multiple occasions.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you about is the way that they use their running backs. They, I mean, Howard is just this, this big, bulky dude who can run over people, and Vikings fans remember him from his massive run to start the game in 2016 that uh, pretty much gave you the feeling that wasn't going to be a great night in Soldier Field as soon as he did that uh, against that Vikings defense. But the way that they use the running backs, I noticed that even on a third down and long, that they will send Cohen out as a wide receiver and even throw down the field to him. That they, they don't seem to be afraid to use him in, in so many different ways. And it seems to me, Sage, like this is the most modern way that a team can use their running backs, and something that the Vikings want to <coughs> do with Delvin Cook, you know, when he's one hundred percent too, is is use these guys as wide receivers.
1: Yeah, and I don't think Cook, you know, quite has that same receiver skill set that Cohen has. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they use him a lot. The, the Bears weapons are sort of like a, I don't know if it was, you know, the, the Princeton basketball team back in the day. And there really wasn't a center. It was a bunch of guards and they, they cut to the hoop and they were fast and they were hard to guard and they kept moving. And, and everyone was sort of a, you know, played as a guard and those, you know, that type of basketball, you know, type of team this Bears offense is very similar to that. And over time, you get these matchup issues. And they'll have, yeah, both running backs in the game. Sometimes Howard will be in sort of a lead fullback on a toss sweep. Uh, and sometimes they'll you know, motion somebody uh, out uh, and, and they'll be in the slot or somebody will motion back into the backfield. there will be a jet sweep uh, of some sort with Tariq Cohen or Taylor Gabriel. I mean, they, they do a lot of things with this offense. And I think, if, you know, if you look at the, uh, the positions, my guess is it's not your traditional, you know, fullback, tailback, X receiver, Z receiver, Y receiver. My guess is that it's a mix of, uh, you know, all these different sort of X's out there. Uh, you know, Tariq Cohen and even Taylor Gabriel, they'll, they'll, toss in the ball at in, in the running back position. They're just very multidimensional and, uh, they have a lot of Devin Hesters out there.
0: Yeah, the other thing to watch too from this team is just Trubisky running and, and they'll even use option type stuff with him. But yeah. when, when things break down, he can really make plays. There's a play that he made against New England where he's rolling to his right and they get pressure on him and he spins back, goes all the way across the field and runs for a touchdown. This is, I think, the biggest rushing threat from a quarterback that the Vikings have faced in a really long time.
1: He is, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume he's the third leading rusher on this team. I don't know if you want to look that up real quick, I'd like to see that and, and see what, but he usually runs for uh you know 40, 50, 60 yards in games. I mean he always has these runs. They use him down near the goal line a ton. Uh you know, that's a major challenge uh uh for, for defense when you have a running quarterback and um and he does a great job of not just getting maximum yards but you know he's like make he makes guys miss you know good good defenders, linebackers and safeties who are good tacklers. He can make those guys miss. And then after that he does have that speed. I don't know what he ran at the combine my guess, he probably ran a four-six or something at the combine. He is a very fast, quick-foot uh, you know, type of athlete, and, and uh, he's he's definitely a threat. So then you add that to the mix with all the zone read stuff and shovel pass stuff, and and uh, when teams are you know dropping back and he decides to take off, he, he's a threat with his legs. Uh, he is one of those guys that has has had really big time sort of combined you know total offense, not just passing yards, but total offense. Uh, he's very much a threat, in, in particular in the red zone and on third down.
0: Well, you uh, were very good on both guesses. He is the second leading rusher for the Bears. He's He actually has more rushing yards than Cohen does. 320 yards at 7.8 yards per carry, and he ran a 4.67 at the NFL Combine. So he is uh, quick. I think and he's crafty. I think
1: he's I think he is, I think he plays faster than a four, six, seven guy, but it's not even that. It's he's quick. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes a wide receiver that runs a four, six, seven, you think might have slow feet. You know, I mean, he does not. They, these guys have, they put them up and they put them down, uh, you know, with their feet and, and he's got very quick feet and, and uh, he's definitely a threat to be reckoned with. What did you say? 300 and, 90 yards or something? 320, yeah. 320. So, you know, you're talking about a season with, you know, maybe up to 600 yards rushing. You know, you don't see that a lot in the NFL, in particular a guy who's now thrown for over 300 yards in three or four games this year.
0: Yeah, he rushes about five times a game, and several of them have been really big plays. Had a 39-yard rush this year, a 46-yard rush last year. Uh, Do you have a favorite running quarterback ever?
1: Ooh. Well, let's let's think back to him. You know, Michael Vick was drafted my year, you know, when he was really running. Wow, that was that was fun to watch. Shoot, I'll give my man Seneca Wallace a little bit of love, my yes. Iowa State guy. When I was when he was at Iowa State after me, I was I'd watch these games. I'd be like, I hope he takes off on the on, on this passing play. I don't care if it's third and ten. You know, he could he really could scoot and again a very quick uh guy. Uh, you know, I grew up with Randall Cunningham was a great runner. I Mark Brunel. I think, an underappreciated good Sneaky. athlete. He was Sneaky, sne- He was Well, he was Steve Young Light. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, they obviously both lefties, but a uh, very accurate thrower, threw a beautiful ball. Uh, and he was a, you know, a pretty dang good runner. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, to, to, you know who my least favorite good runners are? Guys like Tim Tebow.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, like they're, they, they gain yards with their legs, but it's not fun to watch. It's just sort of, you know, works his way down the field and it's effective. But it's not pretty to watch. Watching Michael Vick run when he was young in those first four or five years, uh, that was something else.
0: So Cunningham, you know that I played a lot of video games as a child. Uh, Cunningham was the original Vick. So Vick is famous for the 2004 video game where people literally like had to make rules that you couldn't use him because he was so unstoppable. You'd roll out and then you'd just run. Um, but Randall Cunningham was like that on video games before. So that was always my favorite. And my Randall
1: Cunningham was one of like the, he was like the prettiest runner of oh, the yeah. whole group. I mean, it was a, it was a gazelle, uh, you know, he was so long and lanky and, and, uh, you know, again, a different runner than like a Drew Biscay or, or Michael Vick,
0: right. There were just arms and legs flying everywhere. Like a giraffe. Um, uh, my, my sneaky runner was Jim Harbaugh. I, I I loved how much he used to run, and just looking it up now, he was always like two three hundred yards a year, and of course like leading the league in fumbles too. But he, he was
1: and concussions, he
0: was, right? Yeah, he was all he was like a find away guy, and sometimes. That could be detrimental to him too, so.
1: Yeah, he was a, he was a competitor. He was one of those guys that, you know, he was, he was, he was all in and not a guy, that he didn't slide very much or he'd like slide and hope the other guy hit him so he could get in a fight with him. You know, Harbaugh, <laughs> yes. Harbaugh was looking to get in a fight with somebody on that field.
0: Yes. Uh, clean as coach. You know, we really lack that. Like I saw Aaron Donald going after uh, the lineman for Seattle for hitting a like hitting him a little bit late out of bounds toward the end of that game, and it, I feel like it used to happen so much more that you would have those players who are always looking to fight someone, and that has just sort of gone away in the NFL.
1: Listen, those because the twenty two thousand dollar fines they get (laughs) aren't really worth the one punch where you might break your hand, you know. So (laughs) that's right. um, Yeah, right. So I think, uh, yeah, I just think that, uh, and there's there's so much on the line that you just uh, you have to, you know, you have to not have that short fuse. And uh, those guys that have those short fuses, man, they get they get fined, and that is no fun. You, You you realize quickly after one of those things uh you know punching somebody or getting into a fight after somebody else's late hit is not going to help you out at all
0: yeah but i miss it i do miss it i i at least hold me back guy like that would Harbaugh would be like a hold me back guy like jumps up and goes yeah out in the alignment yeah, yeah. Yeah, of get nothing was
1: actually nothing was actually going to happen <laughs> yeah
0: everybody Harbaugh. knows the everybody knows the hold me back guy um i'm curious what you think about the 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 overall strength of this Chicago bears team, because when I'm looking through their schedule and what they've done so far, and and this goes for the Vikings too, uh, they, they just don't have good wins. They don't have a single win against a team that's above 500. Uh, And the same thing can be said for the Minnesota Vikings. It's to me kind of a prove it game for both of them that they've both beat the crap out of the lions who just don't seem to care anymore. And they both took care of business Against the Jets, the Cardinals, Chicago beat the Bills uh, pretty handily. But the only decent win that Chicago has is against Seattle, and that's not even a 500 team.
1: Yeah, but they did play the Patriots well, and I think the Patriots are a good football team. They barely beat the Cardinals, and the Cardinals stink. Uh, and they, you know, they, they, uh, yeah, they, yeah, they don't have any great wins. If you look at, man, their schedule, they might have one of the, seems like one of the easier schedules mm-hmm. in the league. Now it helps that, you know, whenever you're the, the best team leading your division, your schedule is actually easier. Well, why? You're playing against, you know, the worst teams where, when, you, know, the, you know, the Lions look at their schedule and go, man, everyone's really good. Well, everyone's better than they are. So it makes the schedule, you know, harder. So, yeah, what we, after the Vikings, the Bears have the Lions, they stink. The Giants, they stink. Uh, the Rams, they're really good. The Packers, they're somewhere in the middle uh and and uh, you know the 49ers not very good and they play the Vikings again so you know they're they're two toughest games obviously uh, is are these Vikings games and and I think against the the Rams I think those are the best teams they play the rest of the year and you know, they've got a very favorable schedule uh they're healthy Khalil Mack is back healthy Allen Robinson is back healthy this is a team that's dangerous I tell you I watch them every week they're a dangerous football team and I wasn't a believer early on you know, they were doing some good things, but I still had them as probably the third or fourth best team in this division. They're a very good football team. and If their defense can, can, uh, can improve and, and play a little bit better, uh, I, this offense is, is very multidimensional and very tough to cover. And, and uh, you know, they could go pretty far this year.
0: So a question for you on the Vikings' defensive side. Um, so Andrew Sandejo has been out quite a bit, and Anthony Harris has filled in his spot. Harris has played really well. Are you of the side of, hey, you shouldn't lose your job just because you're injured, you're the starting guy, or you know maybe it's a small sample for Harris, or are you, like, stick with the, the hot hand or stick with the backup guy that's, that's played pretty well? How do you look at that?
1: I think what you do is you sort of play. Well, you have to judge, you know, is the guy that came in and played, is he playing better? than the guy that was playing before. And that's just the way it goes. It's 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 always a competition. And, and you know, other than maybe the quarterback position, you know, if some quarterback struggles, if, if uh, you know, Tom Brady struggles a little bit for two games and gets hurt for a half and somebody comes in and plays really well, you're not going to take out Tom Brady the rest of the season, no matter how well that guy plays, right? But on defense, at, you know, at a safety or a linebacker or something, or even, you know, an offensive player, if a backup guy comes in and produces more, uh, an NFL basically is a, it's a production business. And are you producing more? Are You getting more tackles. Are you are you, are you creating more, you know, defense or whatever for your team? If you're doing that, and, and and it starts off as one game, it's yeah, it's a hot situation for one game. But you're talking about three, four, five games. Now you're talking about a, a level of consistency. And if you're consistently playing better than the previous player, I think you should stay in.
0: Yeah, and I kind of look at Andrew Sandejo as coming off that injury last year that happened in the divisional game. He just really hasn't been the same guy, or he wasn't early on. And when the Vikings have turned around their defense, it's mostly been with Anthony Harris in there, that George Iloka got his shot, and then Mike Zimmer benched him, and Harris has done a great job. He's never somebody that we look at as being the most talented guy, but he's really intelligent. And maybe you could speak to this, too, that the guys that I run into – the level of IQ, the ones who go from undrafted to starting, that's usually what it is. It usually comes down to the guy really understands where he's supposed to be and when he's supposed to be there, and he can make up for some of the physical shortcomings.
1: Yeah, no, I think he's a good player. And by the way, you know, Sandejo is one of those, I believe, undrafted yeah, right. guys too, right? Yeah. So the, both those guys are smart players. You know, Sandejo is a hitter. That's that's one of his strengths. He's not the best cover guy Uh, he's not always great, even at, you know, in the safety position because he doesn't have, you know, great speed, you know, combine type speed and those sort of, you know, tangible things. But he's just a grinder, uh, will hit, will hit anybody and hit, hit people hard. You know, he's one of those guys that gets lined up to the right spot and gets people lined up and, and is sort of an enforcer out there. Now, Harris is not that type of player. Uh, you know, has a different skill set and, and, uh, maybe, maybe he's savvy in a different way. Maybe he's not quite as aggressive as a hitter. But also he doesn't miss as much, and then sometimes get exposed for a long run, like say that that Carolina game last year when Cam Newton, uh, you know, made a miss in the hole, uh, Andrew Zendejo. So uh, yeah, I mean they're they're different players, and you got to figure out what you what you really want and need, you know, as a as a defense too. Do you want to have that sort of physical uh, presence of, of you know uh, hitting guys hard over the middle like like Zendejo, or do you want to have guy maybe it's a little more sure tackler, not the hitter necessarily. Uh, but we'll get things down and, and keep keep the ball in front of them.
0: Yeah, it's, I feel like because of the penalties that Sendejo took early in the year and then he puts on a hat that says make football violent again, uh, which kind of insinuates to me that he's not going to stop trying to take people's heads off and that there's a little bit of a target on his back, there's some liability there with him. That does not go along with Anthony Harris, and that makes me wonder if they will um, they will stick with Harris. Where do you stand on paying Anthony Barr, by the way? Because he's been out the last couple of weeks, and they haven't taken a step back at all. Of course, they haven't exactly played the Los Angeles Rams these last few weeks, but the value of what Anthony Barr does in that position, I, I just don't think it's as, as much as he's going to want to get paid.
1: Yeah, and, and do they have, you can't pay everybody. And so the question is, can they, you know, can they think they can draft somebody There's there's a good linebacker draft and maybe they would pick somebody up even the second or third round that, you know, maybe is a little bit better cover guy that is, is athletic. Maybe doesn't do all the things that Barr does. You know, maybe they mix and match. They pay Gideon a little bit more on even nickel situations if it's a certain type of, you know, team or certain type of back or tight end. Uh, for a matchup and then other games you play a, maybe a, you know, said whoever they draft a smaller linebacker or some sort of safety you know type of player who can do some of that coverage stuff Anthony Barr does and so that you know the question is not just you know should they pay him because of how good he is but should they pay him because it's going to be expensive and can they find other ways to you know possibly even improve uh, on that position whether it be free agency draft pick or even a combination of a couple of players sort of filling that role.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's the one that they're going to have to look at and say, like you said, you just can't pay everyone. And if Trey Waynes has a really good second half of the season, he's a guy that you're going to want to extend for a long-term contract. And then it becomes very difficult when you're paying a quarterback what you're paying. And if, if Barr was a 10-sack guy, I'd be saying, yeah, you have to sign him up right now. But that position in the league right now, just, I don't think carries as much value as he's going to want. Well,
1: I tell you what, and it's, it's definitely, uh, I have a few concerns Vikings wise from, from the draft picks of the last couple of years. You know, I shoot Mike Hughes was looking great. I mean, he was looking like a guy who was going to be a starter on this football team. And, and you know was going to be a you know hey we, this is a guy that could be a, almost a franchise corner. He was he, he's ext- extremely explosive. Is making a lot of really good plays, and I was seeing the improvement. And then he tore his ACL. And mm-hmm. you know same thing with Dalvin Cook last year. Man, he's so explosive and uh and he has you know such great ability. But again, he's been hurt a lot in his first two years, right? So that's a concern because I, I'd like to see. Mike Hughes push maybe Xavier Rhodes and, you know, I'm not trying to make Xavier Rhodes expendable, but, you know, maybe we can take that Xavier Rhodes money and, and give it to Trey Waynes if we feel like he's a better player or, you know, or he can sit in a Trey Wayne spot and him Xavier can be one, two and not have to pay, you know, Trey Waynes. And so, you know, that's a concern the last couple of years, their draft picks who look like really good players, but, they obviously have some, some early injury history.
0: When they drafted Hughes, I did wonder if he was meant to let Trey Wayans walk eventually. But then you bring up a good point about Rhodes that as excellent as he is as a player, he's approaching thirty years old. Um ancient, I know, but you know, corners that like staying at at that level of play when you're a six foot two corner. Staying that quick into your thirties might be kind of tough, and if they're well, and
1: he and he doesn't match up great, you know, with those smaller receivers. We saw that in that Rams game earlier this year. We'll see how he does it with the Bears, but you know, he's a guy that likes another big, physical wide receiver. So yeah, he'll match up great with like a you know, Mike Evans down in Tampa mm-hmm. or Jordy Nelson. He was he, he he was great against Jordy Nelson for the most part, or probably even Devonte Adams. He's good versus the bigger guys, but you get those really quick smaller guys who can really burn he doesn't necessarily have that top flight speed it doesn't seem like to me anymore and and you know waynes is sort of more of that guy to you know, match up with the taylor gabriel and in particular in this division you know i said you got the bears who have all these super fast guys and so yeah he there's certain types of receivers he matches up against well and other types that he doesn't and and uh, you know the question is what type of defense does mike zimmer want and you know who, who does he have to play two times a year in particular in this division
0: so when you were uh, watching football over the weekend was there anything else that stuck out to you because I have one more thing that stuck way out to me to bring up with you but was there anything that uh that that caught your eye over uh the the non-Vikings watching football this weekend
1: Uh David Montgomery, our, our running back at Iowa State, should not have gotten suspended for the uh the fight that they got into against. Was that, was uh, that the
0: jump punch? Was he the guy against, that, that yeah, jumped well, around the ref? Yeah, he got punched
1: and then he came back after the guy and the, yeah, the, the the Baylor linebacker literally jumped around an official, yes, right past his ear and punched uh, our running back David Montgomery in the helmet. By the way. It's always a smart move to punch another guy in the helmet. That's always, a, you know, the the the, the team, so the hand surgeon, uh, he loves that, by the way, or he or she loves that because uh, that's a great way to break a hand or break a finger. So, uh, you yeah, know, M- Montgomery then came after him, and, and they both got tossed out of the game. And, uh, yeah, we had a sort of a, a real brawl. I was actually at the game. It was about 20 degrees. It was freezing, but uh, there was like a legit, I mean, a cop ran onto the field, you know. Like, I, I mean, I was like, man, there's a, you know. A, there, which which was a topic of conversation in the state of Iowa. This week. like should have that cop go on the field or not I and mean, he's got a taser next to him on him i mean you want to talk about things getting out of control is that his responsibility you know to go on the field should the officials and the coaches you know separate it so uh yeah we had a seriously uh interesting fight at Iowa state and and uh it was i hadn't i hadn't really seen that you see scuffles of course all the time but that was a legit uh I, you know you guess 22 man. Uh, plus the officials and whatever coaches around the field fight uh, in the middle of the football game, that was interesting.
0: I'm going to say no. I don't think that the cops should run onto the field at that point. I think it's a bad player. idea. I think it's bad for well, him,
1: right? Well, like, then, I mean, everyone well, else has I, pads I, let's just say, Let's just say uh, – so here, here's how we broke it down. One, it, d- does any player, anyone out there in the fights, do they really have a chance to really get injured? Right? Right. You, I mean, almost everyone's wearing a helmet and their pads. It was like, it was during the play, right? So really there's no chance of severe injury, which you like to think that either the the other players and or the coaches, uh, whoever could, could, you know, get that officials get that separated. Uh, you know, two, what if a player accidentally punches a cop? Right. 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 What happens there? I mean, does, does the Baylor player when he tries to punch Montgomery and actually punches a cop or something, does he spend the night in jail in Ames, Iowa? Right. I mean, is that yeah. assault of a police officer? Right. I mean, that's where it gets interesting. And uh, yeah, I don't know how that whole we, we were going to get this guy, uh, uh this John Quinn, this former Iowa State uh, quarterback, actually back in sort of the early '80s, late '70s. He uh, is a cop in Des Moines, and so we we're going to get him on the radio maybe next time and go through, you know, what is what is the thinking there, and and who hi- who hires the cop? You know, how come right. in college football we have state troopers and in texas they have like they have texas rangers or whatever but we don't do that in the nfl right we don't it's a whole different we we don't see the the state troopers next to uh mike zimmer it's a it's a it's a different deal so yeah it brought up a whole something uh that i'd never thought about a cop running on the field during a fight
0: yeah that's a very interesting topic i don't think (laughs) i've ever seen that before um the thing i have for you is i would like to officially welcome matt barkley into your fraternity of the journeyman quarterback because the thing he was missing was his one shining moment and he got it this weekend a 117 quarterback rating 232 yards two touchdowns in a blowout win in the meadowlands beating the new york jets he checks off every other box he's been with six teams including a second stint as we always look for in arizona and uh he just needed a good game. He had never really had a good game until this weekend. So congratulations Matt Barkley, you are a journeyman quarterback.
1: Yes, and not only that, welcome to the club, Matthew. But if you continue on this track that you're on, you have a really you have a really good chance. A really good chance if you can put another good performance together, maybe a couple more this year. Next thing you know, you're going to you might find yourself in the league for like another 12 years because you know who this yes. happened to. The guy that you beat, Josh McCown. Josh uh-huh. McCown was completely out of the league. He was coaching high school football. He was playing for the Hartford Colonels or whatever. I don't even know what the, uh, the team's name was. USL, uh, and then right? he got signed in the, yep, and then he got signed back with the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. And he played really well in some random like week 16 game, uh, at the end of the season, dunked one on the goal post and he was back and he made it in the league for like another, Eight or ten years after that, or something like that. So uh, maybe Matthew Barkley can copy uh, the great Josh McCown with being out of the league completely, then coming back and coming back and, and add a few more years onto his tally.
0: That is a great model to follow. And, and you're right. I mean, if he can just get another good game or two out there, it doesn't even have to be as good as it was against the Jets, but just like serviceable. Because before. He was atrocious. He was one in five as a starter with a 68 quarterback rating. I mean, that's like why he didn't have a team before, and Buffalo was just able to pick him up. But another halfway decent performance or two, and he will be in the league for a lot longer. So, now you, I will say partner. this
1: there is something I'm sure about being out of the league, getting that different perspective. Uh, and, and going in there and and you know sort of resetting your career and you know the pressure's off. He's already been out. You know he's got nothing to lose at mm-hmm. this point, and he's got nothing to lose on that football team. And let's just go there and not and make things happen and not you know not worry uh you know so much. And obviously he let loose in that game, played great. And I don't I don't know what was going on with the Jets defense. The Jet defense was pathetic. They basically gave up, uh, which is not a good sign for Todd Bowles, their head coach.
0: It really does have to be uh an interesting experience for a guy that was a five-star recruit at USC, just like a a star by the time you're 21 years old playing at that time, that was their NFL team when they were still really relevant. Not so much now puts up huge numbers and all that. And you probably have this expectation that you're going to be an NFL star. And when that doesn't happen, I'm I would guess that there has to be some sort of realization. I mean, at one time, he was projected to be the number one quarterback in the NFL draft, and then he ends up falling in the draft, and then it doesn't really get going. So, I, I mean, I wonder what that, like, transition is like from realizing, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be that, but I can still be around. You know what I mean? Well,
1: this is, yeah, this is a lesson to a lot of, you know, I remember when, to kids or whoever, I mean, um, Matt Barkley was, <coughs> excuse me, Matt Barkley was uh like on the cover of like Sports Illustrated mm-hmm. or Sports Illustrated for Kids, as like the next thing, you know, the next number one pick of the NFL draft, you know, and he hadn't even gone to college yet. Ends up going to USC and and having a pretty you know decent couple of years though, and then you know then and, and should have gone out uh, early, probably everyone thought he was gonna be a first rounder. Ends up going back and then ends up being I, I think a fourth rounder uh, after that, and and just never had. The career everyone thought he was going to have. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing how hard it is to figure out who is going to be a great NFL quarterback. And you know, this kid, uh, you know, everyone sort of pegged him as that guy for some reason. Uh, you know, when he was 17 years old, and obviously he never, uh, never, you know, quite panned out. But yeah, if you listen, if you can put another 10 or 15 million bucks in the bank, uh, <laughs> before and get, you know, get as much out of it as you can, you're not going to be a star, I don't think. But man, get every dollar possible. Uh, and then you can just do podcasts for the rest of your
0: life (laughs) exactly exactly all right well uh we will honor a different chicago bear journeyman quarterback and there are many when we get together tomorrow and we'll we'll flip the script we'll talk vikings offense against a very very good bears defense so thank you as always sage and we will talk to you all soon on the purple podcast
1: sounds great